What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just stepped inside my captain's quarters. My weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming related decree. This week, it's all about the end of Xbox Live Gold. So let's talk about it and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, this past week, nothing stood out to me more so gaming news-wise than the retirement, I'll call it, of Xbox Live Gold. You know, Xbox Live Gold first debuted just about 20 years ago now. It was November 15th of 2003 when the service first hit the gaming world. And from that moment on, I mean, it was just a massive success. I personally did not join Xbox Live until early 2005, just a few short months before the Xbox 360 debuted in November of that year. I just wanted to make sure that I had my gamer tag and my online network and everything set up and ready to go so I could just pretty much plug and play when the 360 launched. Now, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy Xbox Live over the course of those first uh, two years or so before I had my own experience with it. I, I tell you, there's a lot of memories that I have in that time of going over many friends' houses who had Xbox Live and a broadband internet connection, late nights playing Halo, Star Wars Battlefront, just a lot of really good memories on that original service, not to mention, obviously, from the 360 on. Admittedly, I've never really been a big multiplayer guy. You know, I've always preferred single-player gaming. But when it comes to online multiplayer, Xbox Live really paved the way, and Xbox Live Gold paved the way specifically for the standard, for the industry, honestly. I don't think that we would be... We might be where we are now still, but I don't think we would have gotten here as quickly as we did, per se, if it wasn't for the pioneering that I think that Xbox Live Gold did for the console industry. Now, when we look at what has transpired this past week, when I say it's been retired, Xbox Live Gold, as of September 14th, will no longer exist. So don't worry if you are still wanting to play online multiplayer and have access to all kinds of different things that the network offers on Xbox, you will still be able to do so. But there is a new tiered system that Xbox has announced and shown that you will have options to choose from as far as how much you want to pay on a given month or a given year and different features that you will get based on the tier that you choose. Now, what I thought was very interesting was this tier system very much reminded me of what Sony did last year and their restructuring of PlayStation Plus. So I thought this was really cool because, you know, these guys, obviously, it's like this in any medium, but they're always borrowing ideas from each other. And the irony to me is people were screaming at the top of their lungs last year online, oh, you know, Sony is crazy for not going the Game Pass route. They need to do Game Pass. They're, they're going to fail if they're, you know, by doing this tiered system. Well, here we are a little over a year later, and guess what? Xbox is doing the exact thing that PlayStation did last year. And some of the features that come with Xbox Game Pass Core are very similar to what are offered or what have been offered in the past on PlayStation Plus. 
So I'm going to get into the details of what the different tiers are for Game Pass now. There's no longer Xbox Live Gold, so Game Pass. And we'll talk about the details and different things that you can expect to enjoy within each tier. So first up, they announced the, the newest addition to what was already kind of out there before. And the newest addition is Game Pass Core. And for 10 bucks a month, you have access through this to online console multiplayer. Member deals and discounts, of course. But the new addition that's the biggest, I would say, draw of this initial package here, the basic package, is a catalog of, quote-unquote, over 25 high-quality games on console. So that is the verbiage that Microsoft has chosen to use when describing what it is that you get with Game Pass Core. So this is exactly what I felt like PlayStation did when they first launched the PS5. They had a PlayStation Plus collection. It was roughly 20 or so games, and those were available to PS Plus subscribers. Well, here we are, and Game Pass seems to be doing the same thing. Now, notice Game Pass Core does not include access to Game Pass. Game Pass is initially accessed through the next tier, Game Pass Console. It's only an extra dollar a month, $10.99 a month instead of $9.99 for Core. And Game Pass Console that is going to get you access to those hundreds of high-quality games on console, the day-one new game release accessibility, and, of course, still your member deals and discounts and the access to online console multiplayer. So for an extra dollar, I absolutely think it's worth it to pay that extra $12 a year in order to access all of those games that are available on Game Pass in addition to the day-one releases. Now, the 25 games, they did announce what those 25 games are going to be on Core. I'm not going to go into the details of what those games are in this segment because that, I feel, would add some unnecessary time to the segment. So if you want to check out what those detailed descriptions and titles are, definitely check it out online. But there are going to be 25 different games than what you have out of the selection of hundreds of high-quality games through normal Game Pass. And Microsoft did say that they were going to shuffle the actual games that are selections in Core every few months or so. They'll, they'll just kind of alternate out titles and shuffle it up so it stays fresh. We'll see if they follow through on that because I feel like that's been said before. And even with Sony and their PlayStation Plus catalog, I feel like they had said they were going to do that and never did. So we'll see what happens with that. But So that's your Core and your Console Game Pass. Now, PC Game Pass, that's still the same as it always was. You get, for 10 bucks a month, the hundreds of high-quality games on PC and regular Game Pass access, the new games on day one, member deals and discounts, and this includes an EA Play membership. So if you have a PC and you've been doing your thing on Game Pass through PC, nothing really changes too much for you. When it comes to console gamers, though, or PC gamers. You can choose to purchase Game Pass Ultimate, and this is the top tier selection, and it's $17 a month, which is the current price of it right now. You have all games on console, PC, and xCloud as an option for you, and the new games on day one, the deals, discounts, and perks, and obviously the online console multiplayer and EA Play membership. So your best bet, in my opinion, is to go with Game Pass Ultimate if you want access to everything. And that's what I currently have and have had, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I love having that option to be able to play on my phone if I want to at night, to just pull out the phone, 
click into the Game Pass app, and I'm good to go. But if you are, you don't really need the day one games, and you know having 25 games that are shuffled every once in a while, uh, free to play, and you just need access to online console multiplayer, then honestly, 10 bucks for core is not too bad of an idea. So ultimately, in my opinion, I think that this is a very telling uh, start of an evolution of Xbox and the brand of Xbox. And it starts at a very interesting time and month for Xbox because September of 2023, I think, is going to be looked at or looked back upon potentially as a very important month in the history and the success or failure of Xbox as a brand. So September also has coming with it the launch of Starfield, which is arguably Xbox's biggest console exclusive in probably over a decade. So not only are you launching this brand new series, hopefully, with Starfield, this massively anticipated game that hopefully will get gamers back onto your console and back into good graces of RPG fans and, and just gamers in general. But on top of that, you're also launching this new tiered online system, new rebranding, getting rid of the old branding. And on top of that, the new dashboard is pretty much rolled out now, I think at this point, or definitely by September will have been rolled out. So you have a new dashboard. You have this brand new, hopefully massively successful franchise setting up with its first entry in Starfield. And you have a complete rebranding of your online network platform. So very big month for Xbox coming in September, not to mention the way that things are going with the trial, with the FTC and the acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Timing-wise, if things go through and the new time frames for everything as far as getting the deals done by a certain date and this, that, everything should have gone through by then. So there's a lot going on right now in these next two months for Xbox. And it'll be very interesting to see how successful or not successful rebranding and doing this tiered system is going to be for Xbox. Now, I know they have gone on record as saying that they have had very much stalled almost and dropping off uh, subscriptions for just regular Game Pass Ultimate and things like that. There is some complaints over the years of confusion of what exactly was the difference between Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass. And I think that they are kind of streamlining it with this. And at least for me, I feel that it's more understandable and honestly a better option uh, in what they are offering right now than or what they will be going to offer come September. I know a lot of people were saying that, oh man, it gets rid of those two free games every month, free games of gold every month, man. But my thing is, as gamers, there has not been a good selection of games, in my opinion, on games with gold. And I would argue to say years. So at this point, I think it's a good thing they got rid of that old format, I would say. And I'm not knocking PlayStation for keeping that format. I'm all about them continuing. I think PlayStation has done a fantastic job consistently of their free games of PS Plus every month. So the way that they have their system structured and the way that Xbox is structured, I think it works with how they're going to both be different and unique unto themselves and PlayStation can still do continue doing their free games each month. And Xbox doing this 25 games as an option for your core. I still think that's a good alternative. So ultimately, I really am just hopeful that this is a positive thing for Xbox. And I hope to see a very successful September and ongoing future for them in the coming months. 
So that was this week's Catch of the Week. Now let's open up my captain's log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, this past week, I have stayed 1,000% dedicated to the one game that honestly is all I really care about right now in my life, and that is Final Fantasy 16. This past week, I was able to drop another nine hours into my overall playtime with Final Fantasy 16. That nine hours actually brings me over the 60-hour mark into 62 hours total. Now, I am currently at 76% complete with the main story, according to the progress tracker on the PS5. So I still got a decent amount to do because, honestly, gamers, in that nine hours, I want to say it was only a couple of percentage points that I was able to increase in that progression. So a lot of a lot of stuff is going on, though, outside of that main story right now within the game, and I am loving it. So when I last left you, I was pretty much exploring the Valkyrie Desert, doing some main quest stuff, right, talking about marks and all a lot of that same stuff I did again in this nine hours. But I want to start out with saying that I have some new additions to my party. And I got to tell you, I am loving these new additions. There was things that happened in the story that opened up a lot of really cool character opportunities and honestly gave some explanations of questions that I had about certain story things that were happening earlier in the game. So a lot of things are starting to come together now. Obviously, 76% complete into the progression of the main story. Obviously, you're going to have a lot of things starting to come around and be answered and questions that maybe were in the opening hours of the game. And now you're finally starting to see the payoff of some of those moments. So I didn't do a whole lot of the main story this time around in these nine hours, but I did just enough to kind of get me into some of the previously inaccessible areas on the map, the world map that I was very excited to get to. Because anytime things open up in this game, I just... I cannot wait to explore and get there and see what the visuals look like and see what kind of side quests may open up for me. So in this case, the new town of Tabor that was in the canyons that I was going through. And these canyons are kind of a new area that's bled out from the Velcroy Desert. So as I was going through these canyons, it led into a city that was actually built into the mountainside and the cliff walls. And it just looked very, very cool and it was really interesting and enjoyable kind of exploring its multiple levels and interacting with its residents. And there was actually one resident in particular that had a side quest that I thought was really cool that he actually sent you around the town. And there are these stones with writings etched into them. And each stone was a different, basically, portion of that city's history and where it started and how it even became to be where it was. And so I thought that was actually pretty cool to go around and get that context to where I was at, the location that I was in. But the majority of my playtime, it was really focused on knocking out a lot of those side quests that were thrown my way. And I honestly want to say there was probably a, a total of eight or nine, if I'm not mistaken. Now, the last of which is all I have left to complete before refocusing back on the main story. Now, Outside of those side quests, I mean, a lot of these are go to Northreach or go to a designated town and go through and do a few tasks for a certain character. And I had all of those completed, except for, again, this final one that I can't wait to finish so I can get back to the main story because, man, it is just really clicking on all cylinders and I can't wait to see where we go from here. But outside of the side quest, the main quest, kind of exploring Tabor and the canyons and valleys that were there in and around the Valkyrie Desert, 
As I said earlier, and as I talked about in previous Captain's Quarters, there is a hunting board that you can see in the hideaway. And after every main quest line is completed, they're usually in batches of four. There are new marks or notorious marks, as they're called, that drop onto the board. And then you can go around the game world and try to track them down and defeat them. Well, no different this past time. Completed a main quest storyline and I ended up having four more drop in. Okay, business as usual. Let's go take care of business. So I took out three of the four marks, and then it was time to go after the fourth one. Well, this fourth mark is a rank S. All of these marks are ranked from, I've only seen as low as C. So a rank C, which is pretty easy or average, on up to B and then A and then S rank, which is the most difficult that you can get to. And I have already defeated at least two S ranked marks so far on the board. So going into this one, I was like, okay, I'm a little teeny tiny intimidated because it is S. I am trying to check myself and, and be a little humble here going into the fight because I don't know exactly if it's going to be like the other two where, okay, this isn't terrible. You know, I can take these guys out or this individual enemy out. So I go into this fight and let me just say, I, I thought I was prepared. I thought I'd be okay because I haven't really struggled with any enemies or boss fights or anything in this game. It's not a knock on the game. It's just... I feel like I've stayed pretty heavily leveled up and well-equipped, and I have a good battle strategy. Well, gamers, let me tell you, this S-ranked dragon is what this enemy was for the mark. Woo! Uh, it is the first enemy that has uh, made me feel very small. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is because I literally, in two, maybe three hits from this enemy, I was dead. I mean, it just, it's one of those enemies where when you see your health bar just drain after a hit, it's like, oh, crap. And then one more hit and you're dead. Uh, I, I tried it twice. And both times, if I was not able to get out of the way of a hit, there was two different hits and I'm dead. So after that second death, I decided, you know what? I am a level 39. This enemy is a level 50. I'm going to wait until I am at least probably level 45 before I come back to this guy and try it again because... Two hits and you're dead, that tells you right there, you know, that, that's enough to tell me I am not supposed to be fighting this guy right now. So, uh, either way, I, I'm kind of, as weird as this may sound, excited about the fact that there's that kind of an enemy in the game. Because, as I said, I have had, I won't say an easy time of it, but for the most part, it's like, ah, I'm not worried about these guys, I can take these these enemies are nothing. So, to have this dragon kind of check me, it was like, oh, okay, alright, alright, I'm alright with this. So I definitely uh, enjoyed my time with Final Fantasy 16 as always this past week. I can't wait to keep plugging away in it. I really am hoping to fulfill my goal of completing this game by the 1st of August. We're down to what is today. The It's probably about 10 days left within the month of July now. So I am right down to the wire. I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off at this point, just given what my playtime is maybe looking like over the next week and a half. But I will definitely try my best to make it happen because I have Burning Shores and Hogwarts Legacy to get through before Starfield. But I'll obviously keep you updated week to week here in my Captain's Quarters. So that's what I was playing this week. Now, out of that nine hours, let's go see what my highlight of the week was. Gamers, looking back at the nine hours I spent in Final Fantasy 16, really one thing just kept standing out to me when I was trying to find a highlight of the week for this segment, and it really is just exploring the newer regions and newer areas and the canyons and 
the Tabor City, all those extra new areas that I hadn't been to yet in the Velcroy Desert. I think if you'll remember previously in the Captain's Quarters episode, I had said that the Velcroy Desert was arguably my favorite area in the game so far. And that says a lot because there's a lot of really great areas in the game. But man, just the visuals of it, the music, the different cities and towns that I've gone to between Dalamil and out Tabor and a few others. There's just been a lot of really cool stuff there. Some cool uh, marks for the hunting board as well as some side quests that were very interesting. The storyline itself, the story of the Valkyrie Desert and now these canyons and everything else. I've just really ex enjoyed exploring more and more as it unlocks and becomes available to me. And believe it or not, there's actually still more areas on the map that I don't have access to yet. It's not a whole lot left, but it's still enough left to have me excited about being able to have access to it when that does finally happen. So just exploring the Valkyrie Desert and its canyons and its cities and finding out its history. Ah, I just absolutely love that the most out of these past nine hours this past week. Now let's go open up a chest of buried treasure gaming tips I have for you in Final Fantasy 16. Gamers, this week I'm very excited to share with you some tips on icon abilities and something that I honestly was just now recently made aware of thanks to my wife. She brought this information to me, so it's actually very helpful if you're looking for getting the Never Coming Down trophy, which is a trophy requiring you to stay in the air while performing three of the Garuda icon's abilities. Now, if you play the game, you'll know there are only two ability slots per, we'll say, icon, is what I thought. There's three different spots to equip icons, and each icon has two different ability slots, essentially giving you the option for three abilities per icon. Well, all this time, I thought that based on what icon you had equipped in a given slot, you were limited to only choosing between that icon's abilities for the other two ability slots. That is not the case. Regardless of what icon you have that's equipped in the primary slot, the two ability slots can be swapped out with other icon abilities if you have those abilities mastered. So any mastered ability can be switched out on any of those six ability slots, which is amazing because you can mix and match to your heart's content. So as opposed to what I initially thought was, well, I can only have three icons and only six abilities and those are two from each of the icons i have equipped that is not the case you can have a mixed match of between all the different icons available in the game if you so choose to do so so again do not feel or think that you are limited to only those icons abilities just you got to master the individual abilities first with the ability points that you earn through doing either quests or completing uh, different fights and things like that. So very excited to share that with you if you did not know that. Just another way to help you guys get yet another trophy as well as save some time and maybe some frustration. Now let's go check out this week's Captain's Decree. Gamers, this week for Captain's Decree, with everything going on with the rebranding and getting rid of Xbox Live Gold as the phrasing used to describe the service that Microsoft offers, and, and now it's all Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass, Game Pass. I wanted to ask the question, is there even going to exist a branding of Xbox in the future, or 
Is the Xbox brand, that name, that word Xbox, will it eventually be replaced by just Game Pass? Well, that's the question that I am posing to myself this week. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like Microsoft has done a a pretty good job of trying to erase the Xbox branding in, in some ways over the past few years, ever since they started to prioritize Game Pass and every trailer at every event that they have day one on Game Pass. And not only that, but instead of highlighting Xbox Live Gold, they were pushing Game Pass Ultimate. And all the branding you see, whether it's uh, different advertisements for games at the end of a commercial or trailer, or even online, if you see posters for games, the actual name, if you look at it, a lot of times anymore, it has Game Pass if it's going to be on Game Pass before it has Xbox. And I just wonder, is Microsoft going the route of just eliminating the Xbox branding completely when it's all said and done with? And honestly, part of that is also, are they getting to a point where they're just going to eliminate the need for a box, a, a big black box to have as a console per se? Or are they going to go to what they've already started doing, which is having just the app. Hey, just download the Game Pass launcher, whether it's on your Samsung TV or your PC or tablet or phone, all these different things, just download the launcher app and you're good to go. You can play from anywhere. I feel like that is the way that they are paving their path towards right now. And to be honest with you guys, I am not a fan of it. I have always been a fan of gaming consoles, a home console, an actual set-top box, as far back as I can literally remember in my entire life. The original Nintendo, all the way up to now with the PS5 and the Series X and the Switch, I have always just, there's been something about having a box for me. And I get that it's, is it really doing anything? It's, it's literally just sitting there. You're looking at the TV and what's going on within the game. You're not staring at the box. So why is there a need to have a physical box sitting there? Why wouldn't it make more sense to just have everything streaming to an app? Well, I'm not saying that it does. But for me and me personally, I just worry and am concerned that eventually that may be the route that Microsoft is trying to get to. Because think about it. Then they don't have to worry about production costs on consoles and repairs if need be or warranties or any of that. They don't necessarily have to worry about the cost, even though regardless of how cheap plastic cases are for the games they do sell physically, even though physical game sales have drastically dropped over the years and are probably eventually at some point going to just be replaced with pure digital marketplaces. But I still see that being a further distance away than what I foresee being a potential future for the Game Pass branding and the elimination of the Xbox brand. I see that happening before I do the complete elimination of physical media for games or for video games. And it just worries me a little bit because I would so much rather have Xbox branding and a physical box. So hopefully that is not what the future holds for us Xbox fans out there. But honestly, the way that things seem to be going, it, it really does seem like Microsoft is doing everything it can to eliminate the Xbox branding and find a reason to not require a box. Only time will tell.
That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as searching for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo Switch networks. You can also find me on social media on Instagram at Lost at Sea Gaming, as well as on Twitter at Lost at Sea, G-A-M-I-N, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.